I am Emily Lyons. In 2011, without a high school degree and with no money to my name, I decided to start my own business. Since then, I've built several multi-million dollar companies and I don't plan on stopping. Being a businesswoman, CEO, serial entrepreneur, survivor, and general life enthusiast, I'm endlessly jazzed by the business of life, especially the stories of extraordinary people I've had the privilege to meet along my own improbable journey to success. I don't think it's fair to keep that privilege to myself, and I think you deserve to be utterly lifted and shifted by these people too. All inspiring people are inspired people, so get ready to be inspired. All right, today I am talking with social media superstar Stuart Reynolds, better known as Brittle Star. Now, his comedic videos have been seen more than 500 million times on various platforms, and his KFC video campaign was the most popular branded video content in the world in the summer of 2017. With a global fan base, an invitation to the White House, speaking engagements all over the world, starring in the DreamWorks TV show Kid vs. Parents, collaborations with celebrities such as the Property Brothers, meet and greets at Playlist Live, Brittle Star is living the social media celebrity dream. Not bad for a dad from the suburbs. He shares his crazy story with me and how a failed company led him into this crazy journey to becoming the internet's favorite dad and some actionable social media and marketing tips. I hope you enjoy this episode. All right. Hi, Stuart. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. So now you are in Stratford and funny enough, we both grew up there. Mm -hmm. I know. Um, My mom actually still lives there. Oh, yeah? 519 for life, baby. (laughs) So, yeah, I had first came across you years ago. My mom had shared a video of you. I'm very big with moms. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. So tell me about this story. Take me back to how this started before you were living the social media celebrity dream. Sure. So, yeah, so obviously, as you said, I'm Stuart Reynolds and better known online as Brittle Star. (laughs) And back in, I'd been doing music. We had like a web development hosting company before that as well. And then in 2000, and this is is like a psychologist section, (laughs) but back in 2006 at December 21st at about 1.36 p.m., (laughs) (laughs) it sounds like a joke, but it's true, our company was hacked. And it was a devastating hack. And we, there was like, there was police involvement, all this kind of stuff. What? Oh yeah, it was a massive deal. And anyway, it essentially ruined us, not entirely, but practically brought us down. How so? Well, basically what happened was about 2,000 of our clients were affected and uh, they lost about two days worth of revenue, which added up into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, which means they all left us, which means that we suddenly had 11 staff members and about only maybe about 10% of the clients that we had prior to that. Oh my gosh. So it was really horrendous. And then it was timed perfectly because of course we sort of, we, we scraped by and did what we could you know, until 2008 and then the recession hit. That was awesome. And that just meant that basically anything else we did, nothing stuck, like nothing worked. We couldn't make anything happen whatsoever. We couldn't get corporate clients. We couldn't get you know, industrial clients and all kind of stuff just because no one was spending any money. And we sort of hobbled along and I was doing voiceovers and the occasional sort of web stuff and then still doing a lot of music stuff at the time, which was thankfully doing some fun things for us and making us some money. And then in 2013, our youngest son, Gregor, said, you got to check out this app, Vine, which was a six and a half second looping video. 
Um, mm-hmm. And he checked it out on the day. And then about a week after it came out, I was like, yeah, this is cool. This is like Twitter, except it's video form. That's, this sounds fun. So I started messing around with it, making stupid videos with, because Shannon was out working, my wife was out working, the kids were at school and I was at home. And so I was just me and I thought, well, I'll make some vines with my 12-inch plastic Chewbacca doll uh, that I've had since I was <laughs> like 10 or 9. So I did. And so that had basically be like the adventures of me and Chewie doing various stuff. And I would go down, I think like, who cares? I'm just doing this to make myself happy, basically. And I'd go down to the pub and the, and the bartenders and people at the pub, the pub would be like, hey, we saw your vine. It was hilarious, man. Keep going. Make, make some more. You, I can't wait to see what you do next. And I was like, oh, wow, people are watching this stuff. So I kept sort of at it that year, 2013. And then August 2013, this is like the long story. August, no, 2000, good. August 2013, I did a video on Vine called Put Your Finger on the Screen and it blew up, like massively blew up. Millions of views within 24 hours. I went up like 150,000 followers like overnight, literally overnight. Wow. And there was like total panic stations here. It was like, okay, we have to, we have to capitalize on this because we were looking for any opportunity to make things happen. Mm-hmm. And we had to capitalize it. So we made another one that was kind of similar and that did really well. And then I was like, well, I can't just keep doing tricksy videos like this. So I did a comedy video called Summer's Not Over where I staple a leaf back to a tree because I refused to accept fall. <laughs> and that blew up as well. And then literally a month after that video was posted, Disney contacted us and said, hey, listen, would you be interested in coming to an event called Social Media All-Stars? It's in California and we'll fly you and the family down and you can make some more videos and we'll pay you a bunch of money. And I was wow. like, I was like, what? Like, <laughs> how does that work? And we went to that event and it was really great. It was like us and Grumpy Cat and a bunch of other YouTube people. And one of the nights we were hanging out in the lounge with all these other content creators. And I would say to people, so what do you do? Like, well, YouTube. I'm like, no, no, no. What's your real job? Like, YouTube. That's what I do. And, and then Shannon and I had this conversation that night. And we're like, you know, eating nothing but lentils and not having any money is fun. However, <laughs> maybe we should do YouTube type videos and make money that way and like really give it a good effort. So we did. And fortunately enough, you know, we've been able to kind of roll it over from then. It wasn't total smooth sailing, but essentially we've been going for the past seven years, making original videos as a family on my own and doing a whole bunch of stuff for brands. And it's turned into a real life thing, which is pretty weird for a middle-aged weirdo like me. Mm-hmm. So did you have any other full-time positions leading up to that? No, no. I've been self-employed essentially since I was 19. I've had a couple of part-time jobs. But I mean, our, uh, when our company went under, we luckily sold it in 2009 to an American company. And so we had a little bit of money to kind of mess around with and live off of for a little while. But I mean, I, you know, when you have a business for 10 years that's making a good amount of money, you know, end up with a lot of outstanding debts. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't like I could just take a job and go, oh, don't worry, I'll just get a job at Staples and that'll cover my, it's like, no, no, you have to make 10 times that much money as fast as you can. And really that was a case of like, okay, well, then it's going to have to be my own boss. I'm going to have to look out for my own opportunities and just make as much money as I possibly can. And fortunately, we were able to do that, which is great. So were you always sort of, you know, like into acting and comedy and... I mean, you know, not really in acting at all by any stretch. I think I'm a terrible actor. <laughs> but I think that, 
you know, I, I used to think I was funny. I sort of take pride in trying to making people laugh and all that kind of stuff. And I was involved in music. So performance and entertainment and marketing yourself, like Brittle Star, the name itself was actually a band name that I'd come up with back in 2004. And I did a, three albums as Brittle Star in 2004, 2006, 2008. And the first record was written, co-written with Stephen Duffy, who's a founding member of Duran Duran. Oh, and, um, wow. Yeah. So, and that actually did really well. Like that album was like cross-promoted with The Killers' first album and it was licensed by MTV in the States. And every song on the album was licensed and used on their TV show, The Real World. And it, so, I mean, I kind of had that, that's where sort of like Brittle Star came out. It was like, okay, this is the name I'm going to use. And then I had all the socials and all the domain names. And then when social media started to really kick off and bind and such, I thought, well, I'll just stick with this name because I already have all this stuff. What does it mean? So Brittle Stars, I got the name, my oldest son, Owen, when he was three, had a marine life book and loved this book. And so we would look at it at night before I'd go to bed. And one of the things in it was Brittle Stars, which are starfish. And they're like, there's long spindly starfish who can, and I'm doing it quotation marks here, see through their tentacles and they defecate out of their mouths. And I thought, that's cool. So <laughs> I decided that would be a really cool name. I actually just thought like, because they're, they're called brittle, one word, stars, next word. And I thought, oh, just brittle stars, like one word is kind of cool. And it kind of summed me up as well. It's like, well, first of all, the defecating out of the mouth thing was like, that sounds a bit on the nose, but that's pretty accurate. And then uh, in addition, I was like, oh, it just sounds like someone who was like, you know, seeking attention, but is pretty fragile. I thought, that's me. That's exactly. <laughs> so when you came out and told, you know, family and friends that, okay, this is what I'm going to do full time. Uh-huh. Did they think you're nuts? Yeah, I think that first year 2013 leading up to until Disney contacted us I think that it was kind of like don't spend too much time in this and we did like a vine where I was getting really into it because I think I could see like there's something happening here there's an opportunity here to do something and I don't know exactly what it is yet but I just feel like there's an opportunity and so I would really invest a lot of time as we were sort of ramping up between February 2013 and August of 2013 and we did a vine once where I'm like there's lights all like lighting all around me and I've got like a bounce and all that kind of stuff and a microphone set up and my wife's like, I think you're taking this Vine thing way too crazy. <laughs> but then we got the, you know, and Shannon, my wife hates being on camera. She hates being the center of attention. And then when Disney contacted us that first time, they're like, we're going to pay you. And I can tell you, they're going to, they will pay you $5,000 American. And you know, you have to have the whole family in the videos. And Shannon was like, I told her, they want us all in the videos. And she's like, no, I don't want to do it. No, I don't want to do it. I pay us $5,000 US and flies to California. Yes, yes, I'll do it. Where do you want me? Um, So I think that when it became real, it was like, and then when we met those people down, the other content creators in California, and they all were just doing it and kind of making a go of it, I think that kind of made it easier for everyone to go, oh, okay, this is a real thing. And you know, actual established businesses and corporations are taking this seriously. So maybe mm-hmm. we're kind of at the forefront here. Let's take advantage of it. So with the content that you put out, how do you create it? Like, what is your strategy behind it? I mean, it's changed over the years, obviously. And I mean, like for me currently, uh, Facebook is my biggest platform. And, I noticed and, that. Yeah. And then Twitter is sort of second to that. Facebook is very much, you're creating content that people can use as self-expression. They yeah. want to share something to, to say to someone. 
hey, look at this. This is so me, or this is so so and so, or this is so dad, or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it can be kind of like a broader stroke, more universal themes of stuff, everyday things like that. I think the most recently, last week, I did a video on the whole, you know, should you recline your seat in the airplane? And it's supposed to be like this fake almost like one of those safety videos you see on the plane, except the pilot is basically saying, if you're flying economy, it's going to suck anyway. So <laughs> like, it doesn't, doesn't matter. Like just own up to that fact first and just get your trip over with. And that's did really, really well uh, on Facebook. There was like over 400,000 views. I think I checked sometime over the weekend. And then on Twitter, it's much more zeitgeisty. It's much more news-based. And I do a thing, which also does well on Facebook, but I do a thing called the Right Honorable Brittle Star where I'm doing a message from the government of Canada about <laughs> whatever happens to be the current thing that's happening now. So I'm actually writing one this morning talking about how you know Andrew Scheer had come out in response to the CBC article about how Paw Patrol was indoctrinating children in capitalism. Or rather, yeah, yeah, basically sort of saying against or for capitalism. I don't know what it was. It was stupid. Oh, a for capitalism, but the CBC article was making it sound like a bad thing. And Andrew Scheer was thinking that the, why is the CBC trying to make our kids communist and through Paw Patrol? And I just think that that's a really good thing for the right honorable brittle star to stand up and say that the government of Canada has a message about, you know, Mr. Dress Up or uh, Peppa Pig or maybe Max and Ruby, their Canadian production. So yeah, that kind of thing. So that's basically the process. And then I'll sort of script it out. And then in our garage here, We've kind of converted the garage. It was an office initially, and then now we've converted it into uh, like a filming area. So we do our live stream show there. There's like a fake kitchen set, and there's lighting on the ceiling, and there's props, and there's costumes, and all that kind of thing. It totally, if you didn't know I did videos, and someone just walked you into that room, you'd be like, well, this is where I'm dying. This is obviously <laughs> where I'm going to be killed. But it's good that people know who we are. Is there anything that you won't do like do you stay away from anything <laughs> yeah i mean you know one of the interesting things is that people will say well you're they always like i did a thing in peterborough on saturday night at michelle ferrari does like a live talk show and it's a great event it was like 400 people show up and it was sold out and it's a fantastic cool venue and and it's just like a full-on talk show anyway so you know she was introduced to me as like you know he does family-friendly content And I always worry that people think, oh, family friendly means sort of saccharine and kind of like sugary sweet and, you know, dimpled and all that kind of stuff. And I think I need to kind of clarify and say that, well, I don't, there's no profanity, there's no swearing in the videos. (laughs) If there is any, it's bleeped out, but that's super rare because I just found in doing, and I was, I've literally done, thanks to Vine being so short, thousands of videos and you, I've just learned that it just doesn't work when I'm swearing. It just doesn't catch as well. It doesn't, it doesn't have the shock value required to get the laugh from me. I just stay away from it. But I describe the content we do as it's like if you're watching the movie National Lampoon's Vacation, except you're watching it on TV. So there's no swearing and there's no boobs. And that's basically, <laughs> that's how it's classified for sort of what I do. <gasps> that's good. So how do brands find you? You know, profile is everything, right? There's the old hmm, adage isn't the word, but little anecdote about how Coca-Cola found out if they stopped advertising for one day, their sales dropped 10%, that type Hmm. of thing. It's like everybody knows about Coca-Cola, but if they dropped out a profile, people just kind of forgot about them for that day. Mm -hmm. So there's a huge benefit and importance put on profile for me in that that's why I do a lot of original content 
is to maintain profile and to also build up kind of a repertoire of what to expect if you're a viewer. So you're like, oh, this is a Brittle Star video out. I kind of know what to expect from this. Not meaning like, you know what the joke is, you know what I'm going to be doing or the setup or anything, but meaning like, I know the kind of content that it's going to be. <laughs> and then I think that builds my audience. And I think that brands then are getting so much smarter now than they used to be. And they're realizing, oh, you know, working with a content creator isn't just about a media buy. It's not like saying to someone, well, you've got 300,000 people who will watch your stuff and you had a million views last week. Therefore, you're worth this much money. And there's definitely an argument for that. And there's still a lot of companies that are just sort of bottom line focused like that. But there's also a growing trend with brands who are like, you have an audience who is our audience. Those are the people mm-hmm. we're trying to sell to. And they like you. Therefore, we want to put our brand in your content so that they know that we like you as well, which means by you know association, <laughs> they should mm-hmm. like us. So you know, a lot of brands have really kind of figured that out. And I've been really fortunate. And I think especially in Canada, you know, up until the past year or so, the majority of my top tier brand work was from the States, was from the US. Oh. Just because Canada just didn't get it. They just didn't understand why would we hire someone to make a social media video. And I think now they're kind of really understanding and, and thankfully they're understanding like, oh no, it's really smart for me to connect with, you know, for me, you know, doing I'm doing work for Scott's lawn care this year. Okay. Yeah. And they've realized, oh, well, let's, this makes sense. Like he's a guy who lives in the suburbs, is a middle-aged dude, is kind of comedic, he's family friendly. And that's kind of who we're selling to. So mm-hmm. let's connect with that person. And I think that's really great. And that's I think part of like, I'm doing this event in May, Social Media North, and there's a person coming, two creators coming from Newfoundland who only, I think the one of them has like 150,000 followers on TikTok currently. And she just got offered her first brand campaign, like her first brand deal to do a, some content for them. But it's like this, she should have been contacted like a year ago. Like she should have been, you know, being used by whether it's something as direct as like Tourism Newfoundland or if it's, you know, a potato chip company or whatever, not to, not to stereotype Newfoundlanders. Mm-hmm. But that idea where it's, there's opportunities then brands are now starting to kind of wake up and realize, oh yeah, we should totally connect with, this is a really good avenue for us to connect with potential consumers. So are you on TikTok? I am. I am. I can't do the renegade dance. I can't. (laughs) However, my son, Gregor, is he does really well on TikTok and he did a campaign for Sony Music. uh, Oh, no way. Yeah, he's done like four or five of them now for Sony Music. He's been doing his own brand deal since he was 12. Wow. Like he negotiates his own brand deals as well, except for like a couple recently. But that's only because they involved me. I didn't want him to screw it up. And (laughs) we did one recently for the band Brockhampton, which are a rap collective for lack of a better term and for their song sugar and it's a great tune but i had to learn a dance for it oh my and, gosh and i really really honestly thought like no this is it sounds funny but i really honestly thought i was a decent dancer until i tried to start <laughs> dancing and i was like oh dear god no like why are my arms doing that why aren't they doing that <laughs> What happened to my hips? I thought I could used to, I used to be able to move my hips and all that stuff is just, I had to like relearn it. It ended up being okay though. I haven't gotten on TikTok yet. Everybody keeps telling me it's the big thing now. Oh, it is. The, I mean, absolutely. And I think that, you know, I think that one of the secrets to Vine success was the fact that it was the parameters made everyone creative. And it also made as a consumer, 
who's consuming the content, you knew what to expect, which is why it was so addictive. You could kind of like just scroll through and you knew the next one was going to be a video that was going to be six and a half seconds. And then the next one was going to be a video that was six and a half seconds. So you knew what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the same with TikTok. You can kind of just sort of scroll and realize that every one of them is going to be the same medium, but just different content. And man, there's, I mean, there's a lot of garbage on there on TikTok for sure, but there's so much gold, like so much gold. And from a lot of brand new content creators and not just people who are like, I'm going to be a content creator, but people who are like, I think I'm kind of funny and I'm going to throw some stuff out there who are devastatingly funny. We were watching one this morning, Chrissy Chula is the name of the woman. And she did uh, basically a recap of the last uh, democratic debate in the U S <laughs> and it was hilarious. <laughs> and she's, I mean, I don't know. She's not a professional comedian. She's not a writer. As far as I can tell, she just has probably a regular office job or something. But I mean, it's that kind of stuff where it's like, oh man, there's like the authenticity is off the charts here. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and you just feel like you're connecting. Yeah. I think there's, we've done a couple of campaigns now, brand campaigns on TikTok. And it's evident that's where the majority of the eyeballs are currently for that kind of huh. content for sure. Interesting. Yeah, okay, very so. interesting. Yeah, and they've got money to spare as well, right? Mm-hmm. That's the key is that they're the only major social media platform that isn't U.S. owned. So they're Chinese owned and the rest of them, of course, are American owned. Mm-hmm. So do you, all your children want to, you have two boys, right? Yeah, Owen and Gregor. Owen is turning 21 next week and Gregor's 18. Do they both want to be content creators and influencers when they... Well, I mean, the thing is, is you know, I think Owen is the musician. He was on a tour in South America and stuff last year, this past spring rather. And, you know, he's much more like his mom and that he's content to not be the center of attention. (laughs) Our youngest son, Gregor, has been, as I said, doing his own brand deal since he was 12. And like, it's the weirdest thing in that he's basically had a job since he was 12. So he's always had money. Like he's, you know, <laughs> this sounds like a braggy tale, but it's not. It's to show you the ridiculousness of being a child with money. And he's not like he's a millionaire by any stretch. Yeah. Like, it's like he's had a part-time job, like since he was 12. That's amazing. He, yeah. You know, we were flying to VidCon like three years ago and him and I, and like a, an idiot kid, he put his water bottle in his backpack with his MacBook Pro And the water bottle proceeded to empty into his MacBook Pro. So when he he landed, he pulled his backpack out. It was like, oh, it's damp. And then leaned over across the aisle to me and like held up his laptop and water was pouring out of it. I was like, oh my God. And these are like two grand, right? And so he just, he's like, ah, I'll just get one when I get home. So we came back to Canada. He's balling. And I'm thinking, I got mortgage to pay, dude. And I'm worried about the electric bill. And uh, this is a non-issue for you. That doesn't seem fair. But at the same time as his parent, I'm like, this is cool. Good for you. Yeah. At the same time, you're proud. Yeah. So, I mean, he's kind of been involved in all that kind of stuff. And I mean, you know, they like Owen is in media production at Ryerson and he's done sound work that I've hired him for our brand work and stuff like that. And then, you know, Gregor has done camera work for us. We did a spot for um, Cal Tire recently where he filmed it. Like he was camera on it. Oh, very neat. And it's a national campaign and it's like, this is where they're at. So it's a weird thing in that they've been involved with it since they're so young. So it's not like a case of like, someday I'd like to do that. It's like they're doing it currently. (laughs) Yeah. They've grown up in it. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. So your first huge one that went super viral, was that the dad one? 
No, the first super viral video we did was put your finger on the screen. And I found out on Vine that you could. Yes, uh, so that was the one that you talked about. Yeah, and that was basically when you could, I found out if you put your finger on the screen in Vine while the video was playing, you could move the video up and down and the video would keep playing and it would look like you were having an effect on what was happening. So I would spill glasses. There's the Valentine's one that we did where, they got more elaborate as time went on. We did That's a Valentine's one where like I was the waiter in this romantic dinner this couple was having and like the table goes flying, the plates smash <laughs> and it looks like you're doing it. Like it looks like you're sort of this sort of, you know, sort of God sort of person that you're, you're like controlling the world basically. So that was the first one on Vine. But I mean, we've been really lucky and had lots of really, I mean, the other big one for us is explaining Canada Day to Americans. Oh, I've seen that one. Yeah. I think that was the one that my mom shared. Yeah. I mean, that was ridiculous. That was like, it had literally been seen by 36 million people within the first 24 hours. Wow. I think it's like sort of, I think 65 million in total across platforms now. Do people recognize you? Yeah, they do. Absolutely. I mean, which is great. And it's super fun because it's nice to sort of, because social media is such an intimate medium, it's happening usually on people's phones when they're in the bathroom and they're holding your face, <laughs> which is bizarre. Like pooped with you. Yeah, exactly. So they feel like there's a connection already, but I have no idea what they look like. So it's nice to see those people and stuff. We've had lots of really weird times where people would start recognizing us, but that started back in October, 2013. We went to the meetup in Toronto. And before I could even cross the street into Yangdanda Square, I had like two middle-aged women running up to me going, thanks so much for your videos. I can't believe you're here, blah, blah, blah. And like, they totally know. And we've been recognized in Times Square. We, you know, we, wow. We've filmed with Gordon Ramsay, which is, this is a hilarious little thing. We filmed with Gordon Ramsay. There was a couple there who had won a chance to meet Gordon Ramsay who stopped to take a picture with me first because they didn't know I was going to be there. But <laughs> <one did. laughs> I was like, suck it, Ramsay. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, very funny. How did that come to be? Which, the Gordon Ramsay thing? Mm -hmm. So we do social media content for Rogers, and we've been doing that for two years. So they had him coming in because he he had been hired to push their Ignite TV and did a TV commercial for them. And they were like, hey, listen, Gordon Ramsay's going to be here. We'd like you to come in and do something with him. And I was like, yeah, that sounds amazing. So we were just in contact with his people and pitched the idea of doing the Canada trivia versus cooking trivia because I figured I don't know anything about cooking and he yeah, you, know very you, much about Canada. I watched that and mm. you sucked. <laughs> oh my God. We had to write the questions that he would ask as well. So I have a friend who's a chef, thankfully, who wrote the questions. And unfortunately, I've known this friend for a long time. So his questions, like a number of them had to be cut because they were just too dirty or they were just <laughs> inappropriate. <laughs> Uh, like all these sort of sex cooking jokes. And I was like, no, we can't do this, dude. But, you know, I literally know so little. Like when he said, name the mother sauces, I was like, what are mother sauces? You know, if I'm being honest, though, I would have had no idea what they were either. That's why I think my first answer was butter. And I was like, it must, I don't know. (laughs) Is butter a sauce? Like I have no palate. I would think that like butter sauce. It's something, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds delicious. I know, and like, and it was, was like bechamel or bechamel, or bechamel or something. That's like that sounds like butter, isn't that butter? I don't know. Was that a type of margarine? Maybe <laughs> the majority of it is just butter, anyways. I know it's all a sham. The whole cooking world is—it's all owned by big cooking. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but he was super nice, though. He was really great, and he was super fun to work with, and it was really fun to kind of. I mean, we've done stuff with the Property Brothers. We've done stuff with you know, Alan Thick. We've done stuff with Ramsey and stuff. And it's nice to work with people who are at the top of their game 
or obviously professional at doing this kind of thing mm-hmm. because usually the bigger the star, the nicer they are and the harder they work too. And they're like keen to get it right, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Like it's very rarely do we work with someone. We have worked with one person who I thought I will never work with this again. And I actually, really? in, the, in the middle of it, I was like, you know what? I don't need to do this, dude. Let's just stop. And he was like, no, 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 let's do it. So I've already told you it was a he, but that's as much as I'll tell you though. But yeah, I'll never work with the guy again. <laughs> Why he was just completely... You just kind of like this, I'm super cool and I'm too cool for this. And it's like, dude, you're not that cool. More people watched my videos last week than have watched your entire season. So let's just calm down. <laughs> That's amazing. You know I'm going to be Googling trying to figure out who this is. <laughs> the video is out there. We did finish the video. So it is out there somewhere. Yeah? But yeah, he was a bit of a knob. It's funny, yeah, how you come across some of those people. Yeah, yeah it was opposed to like... Especially because you and I growing up in Stratford, everybody is just so inherently kind deep down. I think so. I mean, I think there's kind of that small town accountability, right? It's like mm-hmm. you can't afford to be a jerk because you're going to see that person tomorrow at Sobeys. Exactly. I mean? And like, what are you going to do? So I think there's accountability that kicks in, which is great. But I think, you know, just as a counterpoint to the guy who I didn't like working with, we worked with, you know, Alan Thick before he died, obviously, and he got car service. We filmed in Los Angeles. He got car service to drive him three hours from where he lived to LA where we were shooting. And it was for Entertainment Tonight. And he showed up with props and with notes and other ideas. And he was like, oh, let's wow. make this fun. Like he was the nicest guy and super friendly and you know we're chatting about stratford talking about his son robin and all that kind of stuff but he was ready to work and it's like he wasn't getting paid he was just showing up he was super friendly it was us like all four of us so shannon myself and the boys doing videos with alan thick who had shown up with props and we're like we just make stupid vines but okay this is cool it's great (laughs) he was really nice Isn't that funny where it can take you? If you could go anywhere with this, where would you want to go? Mean like career-wise? Or mean like would you want to have like a brittle star show? Oh, I see. So like sort of like aiming up that way. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to like host a few shows and stuff. I think one of the, like I did two seasons of a thing called Fast Health where I got to drive supercars and talk to health professionals. And that was amazing. It was a really great experience. I really enjoyed it. And the production company North and Now is amazing and super nice and great people to spend time with. However, I'm kind of spoiled by this notion that like today, as I was saying, like writing this video idea, it's like, I'll just film it later. And then it's out, then it's out there. And then hundreds of thousands of people can watch it. So I'm kind of spoiled by the notion of like, just being able to create yeah. content without a crew and without the hassles of scheduling and all that stuff that goes into it and just mm-hmm. kind of making it happen. But at the same time, you know, I think I'll do that as long as I can, basically. But I was also looking at getting into like producing more content. I want to do a series with my mom where she interviews rap. (laughs) She had like a pretty successful Vine run as well. She got 36 million lifetime views. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. And she did like a series of Drake tunes and she was covered in the BBC. She was covered in the Daily Mail. Like she like tons of British press where they nicknamed her Notorious OAP, old age pensioner. Um, <laughs> she hated that name. But she did a version of the song Panda by the rapper Designer, which was really oh, huge yeah. in 2016. Panda. Yeah, Panda, 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 Panda. So we got her to do a version, but she would do like a spoken word sort of version, which is very, oh, what's that guy's name? 
I've just lost his name entirely. He used to do that back in the 60s with like Beatles songs and stuff. But she just delivered the panda lyric with like, panda, 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 panda. I've got broads in Atlanta. Like really sort of strong Scottish accent and really kind of slightly dramatic, but not really. And anyway, much music. We're like, listen, we're doing the MMVAs and designers going to be here. And we'd love to get you guys like to get your mom and her and him together to just like chat. And they'd be like, oh my God, it's a great idea. So I wanted, we never ended up working out because he ended up showing up late. Ah. He was 19 years old and incredibly successful. So I get it. But I want to do stuff like that, like where I'm filming and kind of like creatively guiding what's happening with that. And of course, things like doing social media north, which is, I think, super important for me to do too. What is social media north? So social media north is Canada's first social media convention for fans and creators. There's lots of social media conferences that happen in Canada, which are great, like Social West happens in Calgary. It's amazing. They have one Social Central now. It's happening in Ottawa soon. Of course, there's Social Media Week in Toronto, which is amazing, and I've spoke about that a couple of times. And then, of course, Buffer Fest happens as well, but it's more of a film festival than necessarily a convention. But I've gone to like VidCon and Playlist Live, which are two social media conventions that happen in the States, VidCon in Anaheim, and playlist, which happens largely in Orlando, sometimes in DC. And they're great events, especially the Playlist Live event is amazing. And I'm at, we're actually going there this weekend for their 10th year in Orlando. And it's a phenomenal event and really, really fun. And I always really wanted to do something in Canada because I thought not everyone can fly down to Orlando. Not everyone can go to Anaheim for lots of different reasons. And I thought, let's do something like that in Canada. And no one else has done that yet. So it's happening May 15th and 16th. It's broken into two days. Day number one is business day, which is largely content creators and industry professionals, brands and agencies. Anyone who works in the social media space in Canada should be there. And certainly the best will be there. And you'll be able to do, there's a fireside chat with a special guest and Amber Mack is hosting that. And then there's a bunch of panel discussions throughout the day with our featured guests, industry professionals and content creators. I think our featured guests have a combined reach of about 24 million followers in total. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday is happening. That's a smaller event. Business Day is a smaller event for about 300 people. Saturday's Community Day, and it's happening all throughout the day from 10 a.m. until 9 p.m. And it involves performances on a main stage. There's exhibitors. There's Club Coffee Connected Lounge, and there's also the Meet and Greet Lounge as well. So there's Meet and Greets for some of the content creators who want to connect with their fans and all that kind of stuff. So we have a traditional Meet and Greet where you can like get a wristband and you have to sign up because there's a lot of people who want to see them. And then there's also the Meet and Greet Lounge where you also get a wristband, but you have to just, you get to hang out with people instead of, you know, lining up, that type of thing. Hmm. So it's super fun. Yeah. And then finale at the night in the evening from seven till nine, another special guest showing up to do performance and super fun time. Hmm. You would be a phenomenal consultant and speaker on this. Just, I mean, the way that you've branded all of your content, it's just, it's so marketable and so brand friendly that it's just, it's genius. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I've been lucky enough to do, I mean, I do keynotes and stuff like that, which is great. I'm doing one in June and at Caesars Windsor and I'm, you know, I've done other stuff. I've got another one coming up maybe in May and spoke in New Orleans last year. And, and I mean, it's nice to be able to sort of, and I love talking shop. Like I won't shut up about it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> when, when you're like, well, you'll do this podcast. I'm like, yes, absolutely. Talking about me <laughs> and social media. Absolutely. And that's also one of the things like I love about like going to playlists this coming weekend is I know I'm going to be surrounded by people who are like, let's talk about this. And you can kind of get ideas from each other and you can get inspired and also not just inspired. You can be like, this is a problem. Let's fix it. That type of thing, which is cool. 
It's such a crazy world and industry. I mean, once you have this platform and this following, it's like you have so much power and freedom. Kinda. Like you could, if you think about it, with having that amount of followers, you could essentially with one post really make or break a business. I think, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I was talking to an entrepreneur a few weeks ago and she's got a very successful company and it really took off where they had to, you know, hire on 11 staff because a big influencer shared her product. Right. Liked her right. product. All yeah. from an influencer posting about it. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, there is a tremendous amount of responsibility. I think that, you know, you find that when I was trying to make a distinction between the term influencer and content creator, mm. and I don't have a, any issue with influencers whatsoever, but I think it's very different from someone who's a content creator. Mm -hmm. Content creator might make a video or a picture or art or whatever that is its own thing. And it can kind of exist on its own and they may or may not be in it or whatever, but it's, they make stuff. Influencers experience stuff and share that experience. And there can be a lot of crossover. There's definitely a crossover between the two, but there is a big difference between content creators and influencers. People aren't just, you know, I have been paid to just like hold a coffee cup before. It's like, <laughs> that's not really my, the best use of me. The best use of me is for me to create a video around something to do with getting coffee. Then that's mm -hmm. more relatable and much more engagement. But I think that power thing you're talking about is totally true. You see people like, you know, Jake Paul, who's, you know, him and his brother Logan Paul are very successful YouTubers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Jake tweeted out something last week about anxiety. Who's, he's dealing with anxiety. And I've met Jake and I've spoken to Jake and he's, I can't imagine being in his position because he makes millions and millions of dollars and is surrounded by people who want that money and who want his time and attention, not to defend this guy. But at the same time, I'm sympathetic to it because I've spoken to him and it's like, yeah, he's a nice guy. He's fine. But then he tweets out something off the cuff about anxiety and then people jump all over him and say, you can't, you know, you're an idiot. How dare you say that? But he's just unaware or ignorant to, and he shouldn't be, how much his words carry when he says it. You can't just, you know, blindly put out these statements and think mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what I say. It totally does because everybody's watching you, you know, and then that's part of that power aspect of, I always think like with people who troll and post <laughs> hate comments to people with large followings, it's like, mm -hmm. are you stupid? Like. Mm -hmm. It's only by niceness that these people don't turn on you, you know, and just say, hey, everyone who follows me, go make this person's life a misery. And I think that I hate that aspect. But at the same time, I just think, man, there's so much power there. Do trolls ever bother you? I've been pretty lucky. I mean, we've went through certainly phases where we had some terrible, terrible things. People wishing we were dead. People, oh, you know, all that kind of They're stuff. Insane. And saying terrible things about us as a family. And oh, my gosh. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. But I mean, I think that my thing used to be, I would say to the boys, like our kids, you know, the people who are posting those comments are, we don't know what the rest of their day look like. And this might be the only event they have. And, you know, this time on watching videos might've been the only remotely good thing about their day. We, like, we have no idea what else happened from something trivial to something really horrible happening or whatever. So it's like, don't take this personally. It's not about you personally. These people, they feel like this is the only way they can vent. That's not to excuse it, but that's to kind of give you a little bit of perspective as someone who's receiving those comments of like, mm. just because someone's saying that doesn't mean it's true and doesn't mean that it has any value either or carries any weight. And you know, for grownups who are worried about this type of thing, my view is always like, if you were getting chirped by some guy at a bar, 
who was drunk and obviously having the crappiest day of his life or <laughs> just having a crappy life, you wouldn't put much weight in it. You'd be like, ah, whatever, buddy. And you'd move on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's harder to ignore the comments when they're on your phone and you're on the toilet. But at the same time, <laughs> you know, I think that you need to kind of put it in perspective. But we certainly have had that kind of experience. But we've been fairly lucky on Knockwood mm-hmm. so far. You kind of go through these little gauntlets every now and then when you go up in popularity where it's like you'll get some yes. people angry at you about stuff. And it's like, whatever. I don't know. I just don't have... I sort of stopped reading comments. I had a guy, like the, the platforms all want you to read comments and engage in comments because that helps their algorithm, and which helps you as a creator get seen by more people. And the videos that I do, for example, on Facebook that are like the Explaining Canada Day to Americans has a very lively comment section and on YouTube as well for the same video because people are fighting with each other and I hate it. It's like, stop fighting. But all it does is feed the algorithm. So it's like, the more you fight, the stronger I become, Um, (laughs) which is horrible. And I've told Facebook and YouTube that it's like, I hate the fact that that's part of the algorithm. That shouldn't be. Yeah. You you wouldn't do that with a TV show. Like you can imagine watching The Office or something like that. And then there'd be a scrolling thing of comments of people just commenting stuff underneath. It'd be horrible. It'd be terrible. I don't need to know what people think about it. I always wonder who those people are who argue with other people in comments on everything. I literally think it's their only way to vent. I think mm-hmm. it's like they've got to, you know, everyone has to vent somehow. And I think that the people think they're doing it. And some people do it as like, I've met a very successful content creator who used to just post hate comments on YouTube videos. What? And he said it was stupid, but I was doing it because I would comment on it. And then I would direct my friends to go look at how smart assed I was in this comment, like, go look at my comment. It's hilarious. And he said, then I realized, oh, wait a minute. These comments are just like, they're going directly to the people who are creating this stuff. That's not funny. You know, people forget that it's a human behind it. Yeah. And with social media, when you post something, it doesn't matter how big the star is. There's a really good chance that they're going to read it. Mm -hmm. They're going to see it. Like when you tag someone, it's like, there's no guarantee they're going to see something, but there's a pretty good chance they're going to see it, you know? And as soon as somebody uh, gets more successful or goes up a rank, it's like somebody always wants to see them go down. They want to bring them Well, down. yeah, that's, I mean, one of my favorite quotes ever is David Lee Roth from Van Halen. Mm-hmm. He said, and, in our, and I read this in 1992 and it's stuck with me ever since in a Rolling Stone interview. And he said, when you stick your head above the crowd, someone's bound to throw a rock at it. And it's exactly it. I mean, I think everybody's like, well, who do you think you are? And, you know, yes. we'll take you down a peg, right? But that's also part of the trade-off of success is you kind of have to go, I'm gonna, people are going to take swipes at me and I just got to be ready for it and you know, duck and ignore when I can. Mm-hmm. Is it worth it ultimately? And it is. Well, I think sometimes it can be. Yeah, for sure. I think the thing that keeps me going is like going to things like Playlist and VidCon or hopefully Social Media North where you get to meet the people who are watching your videos and you'll hear stories of people saying, like, your videos, like, I've had numerous people say to me, and this isn't me saying that my content is, like, some sort of amazing healing panacea, but... No, but it... Yeah. Happiness, you know, yeah. Yeah, the people have said to me, you know, my dad was going through dialysis, and I would go, and we watch your videos together. And, you know, this got me through a really dark time. We had someone, a family member passed away, and this is the one thing that kind of got me through. And that's the kind of stuff where it's like, you realize the videos and the content might seem silly and fluffy and nonsense, but they're essentially art and art is a life preserver for people. Like, you know, I can think back to, you know, my roughest times and I can pinpoint like, well, that album, I used to, I listened to that Mm -hmm. album and that album got me through. So I think that as frivolous and as silly as art can seem sometimes and, you know, throwing social media content in that same canopy as art, 
I think that it seems frivolous, it seems fluffy, but it does matter. Like it's important in a weird way. Mm-hmm. What do you think makes good content? That question's probably answered platform specifically. Because it, when you're for a video specifically, is it something for you that makes somebody ultimately smile? Yeah, I think... Or is it much deeper than that? No, I don't think it's much deeper than that. I think anything that I can do to offer respite for the day, I think is good. I think if I can... You know, like people have so much stuff going on, right? I think it's, it's the old saying that you'd see on signs of like, if everyone put their problems in a pile, you'd rush to get your own back. <laughs> and I think that that's really true. I think you don't have any idea what people are going through. So mm-hmm. if I can create a video that offer someone a chuckle or give someone an excuse to contact or connect with a friend or a family member to say, hey, look at this. I think that's kind of my job done. That's kind of a mission accomplished of like, okay, good. I've made a difference. I've made today slightly better for somebody. And that's kind of the whole point of it. Wonderful. So now where can people find more information about you? So you can find me pretty much everywhere at Brittlestar, and that's B-R-I-T-T-L-E-S-T-A-R, all one word. So at Brittlestar, pretty much all the platforms. And you can find me at Brittlestar.com as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was super fun. 